From the Theology of the Body Institute, this is the Discerning Marriage Podcast, hosted by Elizabeth Busby. Hello, hello. It's Elizabeth here. Thank you so much for joining us again. Today we have another discernment story. And as y'all know, I love these. They're so fun for me. Um, I love love. I love hearing them, but I also love sharing them with you because God just has such a beautiful way of taking these stories in other people's lives and highlighting things that apply to your life. So I love it. I'm so excited. And I'm particularly excited about this story. We are joined by Dr. Greg Batero. Hi, Dr. Greg. Hey there. Good to be with you. Good to have you. So your story is incredible. Um, if anyone has listened to your first episode that you did with us on mindfulness and on therapy, you kind of gave us a little teaser about mm. how you were in religious formation for a very significant amount of time. Um, but you're married now and you have all these gorgeous babies. And so I am so excited to hear uh, how you made that journey and how the Lord wooed your heart to get you to where um, you know your ultimate vocation was in your married life. So we are going to get started. Will you please tell us how you knew you were called to marriage? Yeah, that's a long journey. Um, <laughs> you know, I don't know if, uh, you know, talking about religious life is part of it, but it's, it's um, you know, I, I grew up in a, in a very close Catholic family, um, but very Italian and family was sort of like idealized over even our faith. Mm. And when I was 17, my parents got a divorce. Mm. So this foundation that had been built underneath me was, was really cracked and pulled apart. And so, um, I went into a bit of a tailspin and I didn't mm. really know like which way was up. And, um, that's eventually what precipitated coming to the faith. So I went off to college. I started at Boston college and I actually had a bunch of courses with Peter Kreeft and, oh my um, gosh, lucky, lucky, it, lucky. It amazing. And I, and I learned <laughs> philosophy. He, I taught, he taught, um, medieval philosophy and, uh, ancient philosophy and, um, learned things about, you know, uh, Tolkien and, mm. you know, all sorts of things about the cultural revolution and sexual revolution and all these different things through his lens. And it was life-changing to say the least. And, um, one of the greatest joys I've had is, is, uh, reconnecting with him when I published my book and, uh, he wrote the forward, <laughs> To my sure book, did. The Mindful Catholic. It was just mm -hmm. like such a blessing and honor to have him be uh, open <laughs> amazing. and doing that. Yeah. Um, but anyways, I, I, I was sort of set back on the right path and I discovered the church. I discovered the, the, the writings of John Paul II. That was year 2000 through the Jubilee year. I read Love and Responsibility. And then um, I learned about St. Francis. And I was really excited about the idea of religious life. So I transferred to Franciscan University. And I was discerning religious life the whole time okay. and in between dating as well. So I was like really <laughs> sure. kind of back and forth. I, I wasn't <laughs> totally sure. Uh, not uncommon. So, but when I graduated, uh, I, I, I tried graduate school, but I was still like longing for religious life. So I ended up joining religious life. Okay. I went to this, to the CFRs, the Franciscan friars of the renewal in New York city. And, um, it was a year, it was 2007, no, 2004, sorry, when I joined the Friars. And um, at first I was ecstatic. I was so beyond myself, happy and joyful. And, you know, I had finished my degree. I had actually saved up and just bought a car. And I was like, 
you know, I just went all in. I sold the car. I sent the money to the poor. I gave away all my clothes. I gave away all my belongings. I was like all in 100% and I was so happy. So I showed up in the Bronx. And I'm like ready to be here, ready to be a Franciscan. I found out that they actually have like a more of a gradual way of giving away things when you join the Friars. They're like, you sold your car already? How are you going to get home if you decide to leave? I was like, who's leaving? Like, I'm here for the long haul. So that's hilarious that they don't expect you to like have nothing when you join. <laughs> no, not at all. In fact, it's really amazing. Their human formation is so well done. It's, you, you know, I was there for three and a half years and I still hadn't gotten to the point of final vows. I was actually in temporary vows when I eventually left, but they do have this progressive, like when you first, first join, you don't give away anything. <laughs> supposedly nobody told me that. So I don't know, they need to update their onboarding <laughs> or something, but not until you go into novitiate do you actually sign over your bank accounts and things like that to somebody else's name. So that's like okay. a step. And then I think temporary vows, maybe you like close your bank accounts or whatever it is. And then, and then you're moving towards that final vows. You're literally renouncing all of your own belongings and like you have nothing in the world. Sure. So anyways, I jumped ahead a little bit and I was really excited <laughs> and I was really happy. And for like two years, I was really thriving. And then Little by little, I started to get um, unhappy. Like I, st- I felt a heavy weight. I felt depressed. I felt mm. eventually what progressed into like real misery. Mm. And this was a really hard time for me. And, um, you know, it's, 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 you know, a lot to talk about, even like kind of going back into that place. It was like, you know, we talked a little bit on, on, on your podcast about how, you know, you try so hard, you're doing all the right things and then something's still not working. What's wrong? Like, just praying enough rosaries actually doesn't change everything. Right. You know, like on a spiritual level, yes, our lady can do everything, but like, it's not like this, you know, cause and effect type thing. Right. Grace builds on nature, right? We're human. Exactly. Exactly. There's a physical bodily reality alongside the spiritual reality. Exactly. And so, you know, I knew probably, you know, I'm sure our lady was there with me and, and had a lot to do with it and praying the rosaries helped me connect to her. But the fact is, like I was miserable and it got to the point it was really bad. I was like crying in the morning, choking back tears, putting on mm. my habit. Mm. And I felt like I was living a lie. Mm. You know, I'm supposed to be this external witness of joy in the church of giving everything to God. And this is how he, like, he's worth living for and all this stuff. And I'm like miserable. Mm. So it was really hard. And it wasn't until I really started to work deeply with Father Benedict Rochelle that he helped me understand like how to connect with God in the present moment. And what, it, what that's what eventually went to mindfulness for me. But um, that was the seeds that, that he showed me how to pay attention to my own narratives and the things that I was carrying inside. And mm-hmm. what I realized, long story short, is that I was deathly afraid of ever hurting children the way that I had been hurt by my parents' divorce. Mm-hmm. And all these other, like this whole religious life was safe for me. Right. That's perfect. And it was a way to never hurt a child. My parents were married like 22 years. It's not oh, like goodness. a quick marriage where they like made a mistake or like, like they, it was like the full flourishing of what looked like married life. Right. A whole life together. I mean, you were 17 years old. They raised you. I was you. 17 when it happened. It was crazy. So, so for me, I was just like, okay, this is a way for me to avoid ever doing that to anybody else, ever going through that myself. Like I saw the misery my parents went through and I was trying to, in some ways, 
find a safe way to avoid that. Sure. It was through prayer with Father Benedict and him, him teaching me how to listen to the voice of God inside of me, the Holy Spirit inside of me, through that mindful attention and, and practice of the presence of God, that that story became audible to me, mm. that I heard that coming up from within, from my subconscious into my conscious mind, and I heard my fears, and I knew why I was there. And then I realized, like, so that's not the same thing as a basis for your vocation. <laughs> no, that is like, not living in freedom. That is not, not living in freedom. No. Exactly. And um, it was actually, so I knew this eventually, but it, like the emotional connection hadn't really clicked yet. So I knew I had to leave. I was pretty miserable and I was only going to be able to, to like really live my life if I left, but I sure. didn't want to doubt for the rest of my life. And where I was at emotionally, I still was really confused and hanging on to like, Maybe I'm making a mistake. I had certain spiritual directors that were telling me, this is the desert. It's, you know, there's times of desolation. Hang in there, stick it out. Don't make a change mm. in times of desolation. Remember rule number five. <laughs> da, da, da. It's like, so my head is spinning. Like, how do you make sense of all this stuff? But then it became right. just clear over time that this was the story inside of me. It came actually with peace instead of desolation. It was bringing a, a kind of constellation. And, and Father Benedict God. obviously guiding that discernment process. And so it was very clear that this was right. And, um, and it was actually at a TOB Institute course at oh Head and Heart God. Immersion course. And I was praying. <laughs> I was actually on the prayer team. Mm. And I was with the Blessed Sacrament in the chapel. And I had hit my limit. I hit the wall of frustration. Mm. And I was so fed up with God because I was still confused. Right. And in hindsight, I'm explaining this whole story. Like it was unclear and then it was clear. And like, actually, no, that's not. <laughs> yeah, what that's not how like. real life works. I know. <laughs> that's you know, not it. Hindsight's 2020. Moment, I was so frustrated with God that I threw a Bible at the wall. Oh. And then I was like, I, I basically just like, it wasn't even an ultimatum, but I basically just like threw this at God. And I was like, you made me, you know me, you know what I need and it's time to give it to me. <laughs> And it was like that point of absolute emptiness of total mm. desperation in a prayer. So I walked out of the chapel and I walked into the classroom and it was movie night and they were watching the Truman show. Mm -hmm. And this is a lot to share, but I'm going to share it anyway. So I had what would be, I think, considered a mystical experience watching the Truman show. Wow. And what happened was, I was like brought into the movie. Mm. And as I was watching the movie, if you've seen the Truman show, I know you have, but if your listeners have seen <laughs> the Truman show, he's on this journey of discovery. He realizes that he's living in this world that's built as an illusion, which is meant to protect him and keep him safe. And then he realizes that he figures it out. And most of the movie is him struggling to actually get out of it. And in the final scene of the movie, he gets in this boat to cross this river to the, to cross this ocean of his fear. And, and then he hits this wall on the outside edge of it. And like, the only way to describe it is, is it's like, I was Truman. Mm. And I was feeling the feelings that he was feeling with like this kind of empathy that I've never experienced in my like, most intensive training or most, you know, best therapy I've ever done. I've never felt the empathy where it actually was like me living the story. Mm. And I hit that wall and I was so frustrated 
and then the voice comes out, the voice of of Kristoff, who's who's offering you know the illusion of going back into the safety, and then he has this moment of like complete freedom and will, and he just knows what's true, good, and beautiful, and he says, uh, "What was it? Good, uh, good morning, good afternoon. If I don't see you, good night." Mm-hmm. And he walks out the door. Mm-hmm. And just talking about it now brings me back to that moment. I was like so choked up because in that moment, <sighs> like God changed my heart so radically, mm. and He He corrected what was tangled and untangled it so completely that not a second has passed from that moment in 2007 that I've had any shadow of a doubt or question or confusion about any of it, and I was so filled with purpose and clarity and mission from that point forward. It was like, I know who I am and I feel it. I feel who I am. I don't just know it. I feel it. And now I'm ready to to just like go do whatever he calls me to do. So I left. And um, so I left, I had to, it took a few more months to actually leave the Friars. Um, But it was, it was like so peaceful at that, after that. Wow. But that was the moment like, you know, in BlackRock where you were like, I'm, I'm going to leave. Like that was where that was your it. conviction was. That and was then you the did. Okay. I, I wow. knew I was, I knew I had wow. to leave before that, but I knew that I was going to leave with confidence and peace and assurance of it because like, I knew I couldn't stay as a miserable friar. So right. like, that wasn't even sure. on the table, but, but you didn't know where you were going. You were just, you felt like you were, going. you were being pushed out, but it was after this moment of encounter with the Lord via the Truman show that you, you knew you were going somewhere. He was calling exactly. you to a, a new life of freedom and, right. you know, being fully alive. And it was yeah, <gasps> totally free, totally alive, totally open to whatever it was that he's calling me to. So I went to school. Um, I, I enrolled at uh, IPS Institute for Psychological Sciences. And I went into the doctoral program there to get my degree in psychology. I was there till uh, 2012. And in my last year there, I met my wife. Oh. And so um, I had been dating on and off and trying to like kind of figure that out at the same time of being in grad school, which is really tough. But <laughs> I was like, you know, not in that last year I, is when I finally made like this really serious effort of like being clear headed and really sort of like discerning well in line with the Holy Spirit, setting my path and being open to God showing me who it was that he wanted me to, to vow the rest of my life to. And so I met my wife um, down there in the DC area and then we moved up to um, New York. So uh, when we got married, I started my practice, got an a, apartment in, uh, in Manhattan on the Upper East Side in this tiny little studio <laughs> and got pregnant right away. And started being a practice really quickly. And now since then, it's been eight years. And I've got number se- uh, number six is on the way. Oh, my and, gosh. Um, got all these, you know, therapists and offices. And it's it's been like just <laughs> this amazing journey of so much fruit and, and, and in this in this um, discernment. And it, you know, I think it has a lot to do with the seeds that were crushed and planted mm. that have borne fruit since then. But Mm. that's the story in a nutshell. Oh, I love it. So I want to hone in a little bit on how you knew you were called to marry her specifically. So you dated, you said you dated and it was kind of, you were in a place where you were open to being married, but once you met her and y'all started dating for a while, at what point did you realize that she was it? Like what, what did that for you? Yeah, it's really interesting. Cause I, I dated off and on throughout my whole time in grad school and it wasn't 
it wasn't necessarily intentional dating. It was just kind of like, you know, I, I wasn't like focused on thinking about it as a priority, but then I would meet somebody and then get along with somebody gotcha. and one thing, you know, would kind of lead to another. And then, um, and it wasn't like, it wasn't ordered well in that sense. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times, um, you know, it, it, it just didn't pan out and it seemed like something was missing. So in my last year, I was like, all right, this is my last chance because I'm, I'm moving to a whole new city. So I like, maybe this doesn't even make sense. Maybe I should just wait till I move. But I was like thinking uh, at that point, feeling called to this. And so I actually went online to the online dating and I went through this whole journey of trying to figure out like, how do I do this really intentionally? Yes. yes and yes. what does it mean? So I like created a set of rules for myself. Oh my gosh, I love it. And so, so the, so the rules were really, <laughs> really well ordered. And I use these rules now in, in sort of coaching and consulting with people for dating. And, um, if you stick to these rules, it works. <laughs> There's so much to it, but number one, and we talked about a little bit in the podcast, um, that it was my last challenge that I gave your audience was mm -hmm. to learn how to like see the person with dignity and not just in terms of who they are to you. So you have mm -hmm. to start off with that disposition. And that's the only way you're going to have any chance to really see the other person for who they are, which is a necessary part of this discernment during dating. But basically, I looked at online dating as online meeting. It's not online dating. You can only use yes. it for online meeting. Yes, yes, yes. This you is, can't date yes. online. That's ridiculous. Yes, I, mm, I completely agree. We did not talk about this before, but I completely agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I think this is it's fairly reasonable. So, it's, you know, the, the temptation, <laughs> the allure is there. And we're pulled into online communication. But if you're thinking about who you're going to spend the rest of your life with till death do you part, like you should probably order that preparation phase a little bit better than who you can like get the best memes from and the best emojis and who's got the best bit emoji or whatever. You know, and so, <laughs> you know, I saw it as online meeting. So you can, it's a way to filter out people that you would otherwise be wasting time with. Mm-hmm if your purpose for talking is discerning marriage. Right. So nobody's a waste of time. But if you're, if you're going to you know, meet somebody at the bar, start a conversation, be open to the conversation because your intention is eventually to be dating, then it's nice to know if they you know, sleep around or if they you know, think that faith is stupid or yes. you know, whatever. Don't it's think, good to know. You know, all, you know, all the things, right? All the things. So you can use the online meeting as a way to filter out. And my rule is, you're not looking for the yes, you're looking for not a no. Oh, I like that. Okay. And at that point, you want to meet as many people as possible <laughs> who's not a no right. right off the bat. And then I've got rules that show like sort of like how much time to spend emailing, how much time to spend on the phone before you meet in person, oh how God. to like develop a routine or a cadence of like appropriate levels of time that you're spending thinking, talking, being with another person at different stages of the dating process. And then eventually like what you're looking for as qualities in the other that you need to know are there for, for being a spouse. So that's how I knew because when I'd gotten to the point of meeting my wife, I had already been doing that for six months. <laughs> you had the rules already. So I you had the rules. Them. I had oh, made a lot of mistakes in my earlier years dating. And then I, set up these rules and I went through them and like really tested them out well. And I was so aware of myself and I was so comfortable being myself that I could be immediately aware of this other person. 
it's like, you know, all the anxiety of like meeting somebody for the first time, going out on a date, all that stuff. By the time I met my wife was gone. Mm, that's a good point. Yeah. So the first date I went out with my wife and as soon as I saw her, as soon as she walked into the restaurant where we were meeting up for a drink, I was like, uh oh, this is different. <laughs> and it was literally in one conversation that I knew this is going to be different. Oh, I love it. And we were engaged in six months and we were married six months later. I love it. I love it so much. Oh, thank you. So I have a couple highlights that um, that stood out to me that I want to talk about before we close. That's okay. Yeah. So the first is you, I am very struck by this, um, the fact that you had the courage to press in to what some of your spiritual advisors said was a desolation, but you were like, no, no, like there's something going on in my heart. Right. And I think, I mean, it's a good thing to follow the rule and not make change in desolation. However, you were able to say, there's something stirring in me and I'm just going to keep digging and digging and digging and make sure I'm not just going to settle for like, maybe I do, you know, need to live this life of, um, I mean, you knew you didn't want to be miserable, but you weren't, you weren't willing to stop at maybe I'm just in this spiritual funk. You actually were able to dive into the, the psychology behind what you were feeling, the wounds that were there, and you had that courage to face it. And I think there are a lot of people who, who maybe don't, who like feel all the stuff and just try to numb it or try to run away from it or try to, I mean, you were in religious life, so you couldn't really indulge it, I guess. But you know, you were, you were so many people don't have the courage to be like, okay, I am having these really big, really scary feelings. I'm miserable. I really just need to get to the root of what this is. So that's one thing I want to highlight for our listeners is the Lord has freedom for you. If you're feeling like this unrest, have courage to dive into it. And what you're going to find might be yucky and ugly and gross, but there's healing and freedom on the other side of that, right? Take courage to look at all this brokenness because the Lord is going to move through that. So yeah, that's, that's, one that's thing. a great way to, to summarize that. I think that makes a lot of sense for people that that's, that's a, a message of real hope. Oh, amen. And then the second thing is I, okay. I know that Christopher shows the Truman show at the TOBI for a particular reason, but one of the things that I think people are not, um, maybe people who are trying very, very hard to like adhere to their faith and, you know, be super Catholic think that the way to do that is by, you know, only, seeing God in particular types of media or, you know, in particular movies or particular songs, but God can move through other random things. Like the Truman show people didn't, it wasn't a Christian movie, right? Like that wasn't what God was doing or I mean, sorry, not God, he was doing it. Sure. But that's not what the director was doing. He wasn't out to like do a Christian allegory necessarily, but there is, there's a lot of wheat amongst the weeds that are, you know, growing up in media and the Lord can move through something even as mundane and ordinary as a movie that was made in what, like the nineties, like the Lord can move through that. And you had such a profound experience encountering him through that media. And you'd done a lot of formation so that he could move through the media and encounter yeah. you. But I love that. I love it so much. Cause that's not, you don't hear that story very often. Like I, I found my vocation in the Truman show. I love it so much, it's but you true. know, it's do you totally know what I'm trying true. to say? Yeah. And this is what's so sad about our church and the, in the sort of, you know, articulations of the spiritual life currently in the church today, because it's not human. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and that's the whole point. It's like the, 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 we're, we're made in the image of God. Mm-hmm. Like it's not, you're made in the image of God. If you're praying enough rosaries and mm-hmm. if you went yes. through spiritual direction school, 
Like you're yes. in the image of God from the moment of your conception. Period. That's it. Period. Yeah. So like there's going to be ways that we are longing for, articulating our desire mm-hmm. and search for and 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 you know for God and and that's going to come out in art, in mm-hmm. music, mm-hmm. in culture, even if there is more or less confusion, more and less distortion, you know, more or less lies that have been you know, infiltrated and woven into the message. Like you can't stamp out the image of God in the human person. Absolutely. So, so yes, we, yes, yes. All you have to do to find God is look at other people. Yes, yes, yes. And then we have the revelation of Christ where we know how to translate that. Like we know how to make sense of that in a way that people without the revelation of Christ don't know how. Absolutely. But there's the core. It's there. That's the beauty of this world. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. And then the last thing that stood out to me was that you, uh, as a person who was living in religious life, right, under temporary vows, you followed a rule and then you discerned out of that and then you made a rule for yourself uh, for dating. And I think that's awesome. Like, obviously the Lord did so much, not only in your life, but in the lives of all the people you touched in your time with the CFRs, right? Like time time is never wasted. The Lord makes something beautiful out of all of it. But what I want to highlight is you went through the season, you gleaned all of this stuff that you were able to then apply to the discernment of the vocation to marriage. And maybe you didn't do that on purpose, but when you said I had rules, I was like, Oh, well you lived under a rule for four years. Like you were very comfortable under a rule. And I can imagine that now in your family, you have rules for, you know, what it means to be a a Batero. Like we do this and we have this family culture and this is, you know, you form your children in that. Right. And so I love that. So I just want to point out to y'all, if you're you know, you walked away from a season that felt like it wasn't leading you where you wanted to go, or you're confused about why something happened. You don't know what the Lord was doing in it. You don't know you're sitting here right now, kind of not knowing how you're going to get to the end. I just want this little bit of Dr. Greg's story to, to just give you hope and encouragement. The Lord is going to use all of these experiences, all of these things that you've been through for your good and to, to get you to, you know, your path to heaven, your path to sanctity. So that stood out. I just wanted to highlight that. I also love that you have rules. That's something I would do. It makes me so happy. (laughs) Awesome. Well, thank you. Thank you so much, Dr. Greg. I'm so grateful. Uh, Your story is phenomenal. And I'm so glad you were willing to share it with us. I had a lot of fun listening to it. And I'm imagining my listeners did too. So thank you so much. And I'm praying for everyone. And uh, yeah, I hope this blesses your listeners in some way. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. God bless you. Okay. Thanks. You too. I hope y'all enjoyed this episode with Dr. Greg. I love this story so much and I love the work that he's doing and all that stuff. It was an honor to bring this story to you. I have linked the episode that he and I did way back um, at the beginning of season one of this podcast. If you're interested in hearing more about what he has to say for those of you discerning marriage and until next time, stay close to the heart of Jesus and be not afraid. The Discerning Marriage Podcast is brought to you by the Theology of the Body Institute. For more information about discerning marriage, visit discerningmarriage.com. To learn more about the Theology of the Body, visit tobinstitute.org.